into the world. But to change the world in a way that means anything. It's slow. It's methodical. Welcome to 2-Bit Encryption, the officially unofficial podcast for Mr. Robot on USA. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 10, titled Episode 2.8, Hidden Process, .axx. Uh, what'd you think of this episode? Um, I, I, I hate Philip Price and everything, every, every minute he's on the screen, everything else is pretty dope. He's the, he's the ultimate supervillain. No, annexing, he's... Annexing countries to China, and he's, he's, he's too much of a... An over-the-top villain for you. Uh, yeah, he's not even a Bond villain. Yeah. Like, he's he's the, he, uh, some kind of fucking delusional god emperor, and it's not a good look for the show or that character. And yeah. But, on the other hand, uh, the people that actually can get shit done, the Dark Army, uh, got shit done this episode, and I thought that was fairly thrilling. It was, yeah. Um, I liked most of this episode. I'm, I'm with you. I have problems on that, that first scene there with Terry Colby and Philip Price. Um, I have... Other minor problems, but overall, I thought it was a pretty good episode. Pretty yeah. strong. I got an email like within seconds of the episode ending from KCH says, I don't know if it's good or bad that I want to say, fuck you, Mr. Robot. And I'm like, is that a Rust Cole true detective? Fuck you. Right. Or is that like a, a bunk from the wire? Fuck you. Like, I... In like what part of Mister Robot? Because there, that's the that's the whole email. But I can yeah, see yeah. because it's like you know they really they really twist you up and then they mm-hmm. leave you with this. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it's cliffhanger, except for you don't know who uh, whom of Cisco and Darlene and who else got killed in that uh, diner. I think we know. I, I know. There's been some pixel based analysis of yeah that we'll probably talk about when we get there. But mm-hmm. uh yeah, I don't know. It definitely got me super invested by the end of it. I just really worry that this... I, I, I just hope that Philip Price ends up being some delusional sock puppet that's done away with as soon as White Rose no longer needs him. Right. Because at least with her, there's some mystery and some humility and some you know understanding of, of the shadowy world they walk on where Philip Price is just... There's also some delusion. I mean, thinking that you can control everything because you manage your time well sure. is a little insane. But, sure. But that's uh, that's a little bit smaller scope than right, I right. need to be the most powerful man on the planet. I want to be like, God. And and what, is that even, what does that even mean? And he says, like, I'm there except for one or two to Mike. I, can you... Can you assassinate citizens in China with impunity? Because if you can't, you're not definitely as powerful as, as White Rose and that entire Dark Army apparatus. Like... Right. What does it mean to be the most powerful man on the world? Uh, good question. Let's get. Let me describe this scene and let's talk okay. about it a little bit more. Um, so we we start off with Terry Colby stopping by Philip's office with a copy of his new book, The Last, uh, the Last... Honest Man. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. Uh, Philip asked Terry to pull some strings to get Obama to annex the Congo uh-huh. for China. Yeah. Uh, Terry wants to know why Philip does all this, and Philip says basically, to sum it up, it's to leave the greatest legacy of all time. Sure. One that is not even surpassed by God. Uh, I don't know how he plans to do that, being a product of of his God, but okay, I would sure. love to know what's going through Sam Esmail's mind when he's writing this dialogue, because it's, and, and I don't know, like, 
maybe people with this mindset are really like this, like an Alexander the Great types. Um, and this might very well be his undoing. The, the um, only the only movie, like you know, the only movie I know of about Alexander the Great sucked too. So like maybe you just can't make a good story about this this kind of self-aggrandizing persona. It's but very hard to relate to. Yeah, like because because to me it's like there is no way anyone can be the most powerful person in the world. It's all relative mm-hmm. and it's very rock paper scissors. And if you're powerful in this sphere, you're going to be weak in the other and like why is, if you're yeah. so smart and fucking machiavellian why don't you understand that mm-hmm. and it just i like i said this show is kind of broadly in my political ballpark mm-hmm. but i fucking hate it every single time they touch on the politics it reminds me a lot of the newsroom in that way right like, right g- could you pat yourself on the back <laughs> any hard like, don't break your arm or throw your shoulder out of socket I, I don't know so yeah yeah i'm imagining at least one of those two rooms to be a room with elliot let's say yeah uh put him in a room with a bunch of hackers they can ruin his life if sure they choose to they have right and they're they're you know, that's arguable i mean he's still doing all right more so than than most people in this uh fictional universe but, right uh yeah i you put him in a baseball game right and he's probably gonna be the least powerful person in that room <laughs> sure uh, uh <laughs> there are a lot of just different scenarios in which that doesn't hold true and i I guess by his judge of power, he perce- he perceives himself to be the most powerful man in the room right. at all times. And I guess I would like, for this conversation to have any kind of texture or meaning, I would need him to define that. Right. You know, I yeah. guess that was one of the appeals about, like, you know, this this seems to be getting a lot of comparisons to Breaking Bad on the subreddit and not. But what, what define, you know... Um, I just felt like I had a much better handle on the villains and even the anti-heroes in that show. Like they, by the time they were making grandiose statements about they're the one that knocks and you know all that kind of stuff, you kind of uh-huh. knew exactly how they defined power and and where you agreed and disagreed. Where this guy is just a bunch of megalomaniacal speeches yeah. that have no real you know texture from from one to the other. I mean, I don't know. It was like season one's like, oh, it's just business. Now it's I must attain godhood. Like. Mm-hmm. What well, are you? It does seem like the further down that road he goes, the more he offends White Rose, or the more he makes himself uh, he he poses himself in opposition to her. So I mean, even the 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 last honest man who was kind of like the main villain of last season is like, well, isn't this a little too much? Yeah, I'm literally saying that, and I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it might be a step too far, and I I don't know if it's a step too far for China in general, mm-hmm. or if it's going to be just a step too far for Philip. Right. Um, because he seems like he's going to be pretty detached from this ultimately, right? Yeah. He's asking Terry to ask a guy to ask Obama to do this favor. Yeah. I don't know how this comes back on him in any significant way, other than maybe if he doesn't get it done, White Rose is going to be pissed. Right. Um, I think a lot of people are like f- focusing on the China annex and the Congo angle, although that is something that's been on the table since the very end of last season. And... You know, if you've been paying attention, just talking about the the Congo and the mines, mm-hmm. and we talked about how like this is the number one source for cobalt and a few other rare earth materials, and how that could be sent. I'm I'm not sure exactly how, but I've been told that you know if you if you bombard these with the right type of nuclear radiation and make the right type of isotopes, you can make dirty bombs or nuclear weapons. Or and it's also a source of a lot of minerals for a lot of the electronics, high tech, and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, chip. So right. Um, this is just, the, I guess, the third step reveals. So like, you know, everybody, hey, focus on the. Co- this is the important. This is this is really super important. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, and I guess that also this is kind of based in reality because China and the United States are butting heads over to Congo. Mm-hmm. So they're doing a lot of real life, you know, injecting their narrative in a lot of real life events. I was reading, I guess France is one of the big blockers mm. in Africa. Like France it's has their the fingers in, in Africa pretty deep. But mm-hmm. uh, I, I do really like the transition out of this scene with that song because you do get this unhinged feeling from Philip and then this just absolute... Uh, maniacal song comes on yeah i shazammed it and the song apparently is called bleach and everything else was in kanj i couldn't tell you if it was korean japanese chinese uh-huh. it's some kind of probably japanese metal band i guess uh sure i have no idea but yeah Never it was completely them. unintelligible yeah but it's just a bunch of screaming and fast thrashing uh, thrash guitars, metal yeah. it's just like it's really good coming off of this guy just saying these insane things uh, and then going to Joanna, who we also think is maybe a little bit unhinged. Uh, think? Yeah, no, she's <laughs> she's crazy. Uh, she's getting all dolled up to meet Elliot at his place, as we saw at the end of last episode. Mm-hmm. She takes him to her house and tells him about Tyrell's history of giving her gifts, uh, with the story about fucking a girl for her earrings and bringing those back as a trophy. Uh, and then tells Elliot that he's going to help her find Tyrell with this phone that he gifted her. Uh, and he, you know, tries to say no, but the government issue face man is there. there. Block, <laughs> block the door with his rubber face. Yep. Uh, I wonder, I, I couldn't help but notice like, and this has been true of every scene he's been in before this, but I, for some reason it hit home in this scene is when Christian Slater is pacing around this room, like stalking around like a lion. I wonder what kind of pranks he plays on people. I wonder how many shots he's ruined by like having his wearing out. a rubber nose or oh, sure sure that's that's the slate they Slatery. call it the slater yeah. <laughs> it's like they think it's an awesome take oh god damn it he's had his dick out this whole time cut 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 right or, uh, or just like you know trying to get people to crack up sure uh, I bet behind the scenes there's some pretty good stuff what so because they can't react to him in any way y- yeah right. Except for Joanna, who apparently can tell he's in the room, which is interesting. Well, okay, I, so here, so I, I don't know about that. Uh, true or false? Mm-hmm. This episode furthers the idea that Tyrell and Mister Robot are, if not one and the same, very connected. Like I, I you, think, I well, think this. What do you mean by very connected? Like buddy, buddy, or no, no? Like I, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm actually, I'm now officially promoting the idea that Mr. Robot and Elliot and T- Tyrell are all aspects of the same person. Hmm. And I think okay, this I'm statement of like I feel you. like she can see me is a statement of that. That that, that that's a hint towards that that truth. Hmm. Okay. Um, I, and I haven't got all the details figured out. I'm just saying, like, if I'm dealing with a man who can stay up for seven days on amphetamines, I think I can. I, I think I can find it in my heart to see this guy carving eight hours to have a completely separate and secret life. Like, like he's lived his life in eight-hour shifts. Like he's got the Elliot shift, and then the Mister Robot shift, and then the Tyrell shift. Uh huh. Um. So, I I mean, what kind of relationship do they have at this point? What do you because do? I mean Tyrell at this point would be standing right in front of Joanna, right? Well, except for he somehow the Mister Robot tried to suppress him by and by shooting him. At some I mean, point. like physically, visually. Oh, I don't know that. I mean, like I said I I don't I don't think Tyrell's in the room right now. I think Tyrell is still still actively suppressed, and he's only coming out through these phone calls. And so she's speaking in metaphor. She's like, "I need you to find Tyrell." 
Uh, yes, she's aware. Like just like she when, sees the physical. I mean, we don't think it's of... weird that Angela goes up and asks for Mr. Robot or t- says Elliot, "Who are you seeing now?" Because she's aware of his affliction. So why do we think it would bizarre that Joanna, in her playful, crazy way, would do the same with Elliot? I don't necessarily think it's bizarre. Um, I the other less extreme, the weak. I don't know. The so you, you, the the weak statement of that is that when Mr. Robot shot. Tyrell somehow Elliot fused his personality and now that is part of his psyche that wasn't there before. That's right. a pretty easy one to argue and defend. Sure, but I'm sure. going to go just for the, just just for shits and grins. I'm going to go with the I bet we're going to have a reveal that Tyrell, Mr. Robot and Elliot are been the same person this whole entire time. Hmm. Okay, I don't know that I'm willing to follow you there. I think That's fine. It's crazy. Like this is this is this is Joanna yeah. level crazy theory right now. <laughs> right. But it's it's it you know was Tyrell level crazy mm-hmm. just an episode before. That's true. Maybe ne- by next episode it would be Philip Price level crazy. Is that more or less crazy? <laughs> like, I, I don't even know at this point. I don't know. They're crazy. It's like, you know, who's the craziest man in the room? It depends on how, <laughs> how you define crazy. That's true. That's the other thing. It's like when Sam Esmail's writing Joanna's dialogue, does he does he have like a like a a, a hat that he pulls things out of? Like when, when on our first date, I, you know, first example could have been saw a crazy hot redhead with the cubic zirconium earrings and I needed you to fuck her to get them for me. Or there was a homeless person... Uh, eating a half-eaten sub outside, I need you to smack it out of his hand and beat him to death. Or mm-hmm. there was a baby on the sidewalk, I need you to smother. Like, uh, what are they playing Mad Libs in the right? Y- it really feels you're... like it because none of this. Sh- not, I have no perspective on why these characters are the way they are. Sure, and I still have a lot of antipathy from season one and from what I've seen in season two. I, eh, it's it's the biggest problem. The villains in this show don't make any sense outside of White Rose. It's still pretty. You know, she's pretty hard to latch on to, but they've actually humanized right. that character yeah. and given him some real pathos. Mm-hmm. Whereas these Tyrell and Joanna are ju- and, and Philip are just fucking one-dimensional caricatures. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like the more power you gain in this universe, the more crazy, crazily you're portrayed. Right. I guess. The more maniacal you become. Right. Um, yeah, I, so I don't know about she's the, just the Tyrell so bem- theory, but she's just so bemused and playful when she's talking to Elliot, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I, what, what do you think of her unhooding him and you know doing that? Do you really want to say no to me? Because that's obviously works from the like I'm dangerous, and also you want right. to have sex with me kind of thing. Right, right. It's both uh, alluring and also very scary, very mm-hmm. intimidating. Um, so I, I think that's just what they were going for there, showing both sides of her. Right on. Uh, in this one moment. But I, I'm so I am on a different path with Tyrell. I, I do think I'm going a little bit more with the straightforward reading of Mr. Robot was lying about Tyrell, uh, causing him to causing Elliot to, you know, maybe not hear and see things that didn't happen, but have false memories. Yeah. Um, I think that's certainly within Mr. Robot's power. And I think it makes a lot of sense here. Yeah, for sure. That's... But but it's text here. I mean, it's. It, they're telling us that, right? I mean, mm. Elliot later on says, "Did Mister Robot lie to me?" Is right. Like, I don't know that I want to trust that, especially because it's coming directly out of Elliot's head, yeah. which we know is not reliable. Right. So, pff, I don't know, man. I'm mm-hmm. still up in the air on this Tyrell thing, and mm-hmm. I, it's not coming down until I see Tyrell on the screen. Okay. And even then, I even got then, excited I'm not certain. because during the, the this later point where he invites us to fully Dora the Explorer, 
us, you know, that, like, oh, do you I see the something? Like, yeah. I, when he spun around, I see this guy in a suit sitting in the couch and I'm like, holy shit, Tyrell's right there. And I'm like, oh no, that's that after I, that's government issued face man after I got super excited. <laughs> Because I'm like, okay. he was alone and I forgot it. But I'm like, oh, my God, he's seeing a blurry uh, vision of his own split <laughs> psyche. And so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, could, I can't wait to see what you make of that. This is the okay. first episode that Reddit has that, that there is no, like, there's definite Easter eggs that have not been cracked. Yeah. These were, these were tougher, thicker shelled ostrich egg type Easter eggs. And I think they need to be if you're going to point them out in the show. Yeah. You're going to say, solve this puzzle. Right. Internet. But, but I, it's like, yeah, this is the first one that seems to confirm. I mean, I can tell, we, when we get there, we can tell you, like, the current leads, but there has been nothing conclusive so far. Right. Uh, okay, let's get let's get a little closer to that. Cisco and Darlene try to decide what to do with Vincent, the guy that Cisco found on Susan's couch last episode. Were you kind of so. bummed that, that it turned out to be Vincent? It wasn't Mobley, it wasn't Trent, it wasn't... It didn't seem like as important of an event. Yeah. Um, even though, I guess, it did ultimately lead to Cisco being killed. I mean, it's not... I don't know... It doesn't feel as important with just Vincent. It bums me out retroactively because I feel like the cliffhanger was horseshit. Like, Vincent's not cliffhanger-worthy. Yeah. This is just a bait-and-switch. Right. Right. I wonder if by the end of the season we will find out what happened to either or Mobley or Trent. I don't Trent. know. I think so. I think so. I hope so. Uh, anyway, he's badly hurt. Darlene doesn't want to take him to the hospital, but Cisco guilts her into it with some effort. It takes a little while to crack that shell here. Do you buy this version of Cisco as the kinder, gentler? He's the dark army acolyte that had a needle shoved up his uh, finger just a couple episodes ago. Do you buy him as the one telling Darlene that we need to help this guy? That you're that. You're, I mean, it seems like he just preys on insecurities more than he actually has a successful argument here. Because I guess, right? Yeah, the, you know, like when Bane says, you know, the fire must rise, brother. They expect two bodies on the planet. Implies that like Bane is an important character, and that him surviving is more important than any of his lackeys. Mm-hmm. Where Cisco's advancing the argument of you are not Bane. You're not special. You're not bred in the darkness to do this thing. You are a, a, essentially a vandal that got lucky. Mm-hmm. And is that accurate? Like, if F Society gets rolled up, does the F Society mission run on? Or do it doesn't they... feel like it unless Dark Army takes that up. It just but... it seems like there would be so many copycat. Like someone saying that this thing is possible mm-hmm. is almost makes it possible. That, like, you know, they've empowered these people and everyone's got their faces on and F Society is this popular movement that... I mean, we saw that with Anonymous, right, in the real world. Sure. That's kind of what happened is a small group did a thing and then people started to run with that. Right. Other and everybody does it and not maybe the original Anonymous don't agree with all the goals of the new Anonymous, but it doesn't matter because it's all, right. yeah. you know, this amorphous thing. I I don't know. I kind of feel like Cisco's got the right of it here. Oh, I, I mean, I agree. Uh... I think this is the right thing to do. I and I do think that so we haven't really seen Cisco have to make these life or death decisions, right? I mean, he was spared the Susan Jacobs decision. Um, this is the first time he's had to really grapple with the idea that he might kill someone directly. Does it just seem like he was joined the Dark Army as kind of like he thought it was cool to do and yeah. didn't really understand the stakes involved and yeah. how dangerous it was? Although by even in season one, he's talking about how dangerous these people are. So. Yeah, I wonder what he means by danger there. Does he realize, yeah, they're going to kill us? It seems he like he does now. It seems like, yeah, certainly now he does. But it seems like early on, like 
in the mid to end of season one, he was realizing that certainly. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, he, he comes to Darlene later on and says, if they even think that, you know, that was early this season, I think. Yeah. If they even think that the FBI is onto you, they'll kill you. Right. So he clearly knows who's he, who he's dealing with. He just, I never felt like he was completely affiliated with the dark army. It was more like, He's a guy who, like you said, got into it because he thought it was cool and then got in too deep and now can't get out. So the one thing I would say negative about this take about Darlene not being special is maybe Darlene isn't special. Mm-hmm. Um, but Elliot, I think the show is making an argument when Philip says, you know, there's two rooms that he's not the most powerful man in. My mind goes to White Rose and Elliot. Those are, you know, two people in the room where he's not as powerful as those people. That implies that Elliot is a someone special in his ability to do the things that he can do. Yeah. Uh, Darlene's very important to Elliot. It's arguable that if Dar- something happened to Darlene bad, that it would make Mr. Robot incapable of going on. So maybe she is important. Maybe. Yeah. To this this particular effort. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, th- this whole hack spawned from their relationship when they were kids, right? Right. And that's kind of one of the things that motivated him. So, yeah, I I think she is important in in that sense. Okay. To to Elliot, who is kind of important to the the overall uh, plot, that, yeah, she's important. Okay. So Dom investigates Susan's house, and they just barely missed Cisco. Apparently he was there that day, Um, and then he took Vincent out of there that day. But they do get a description of him from a neighbor who saw him get into a cab with Vincent. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of on to him at this point. And they're also, I don't know whether this is to pacify the crowd that's saying that the FBI is dirty. But they make a lot of state and appeals to the the FBI, the real-life FBI director, Comey, uh, being ultra-aggressive of pursuing these. T- and that, you know, when Dom comes in, the first thing she's like, so we find these people and we instantly burn the house? What the... I mean, she doesn't know the house has already been burned. Yeah. But who knows? Like, if they keep, you know, uh, fucking Vincent stumbled in here after his run from the law in Maryland, maybe more. That seems sound practice, but for whatever reason, the FBI is wanting to move fast, fast, fast. Mm -hmm. Does that make you feel better or worse about the FBI guys being kind of dirtier on the take? Like, you Uh, can art. That sounds a little bit better, yeah. But by the end of the episode, I'm back to Dirty Man. Yeah, I just don't know. Because the one. Well, I'll wait to make this point when we get to that that point. Okay. Uh, Elliot observes the carnage of the 5-9 hack in the streets as as they drive, and he tells Joanna's goon, government issue face man, that he needs to stop at Micro Center for some hacking hardware. And he's kind of having a, a very minor back and forth here with Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice mention of Micro Center. That's kind of the place you'd go to get all this stuff, I guess. Sure. Uh, get those around here. They have a big one. Yeah. Over there in Springdale or whatever. I guess whatever it started that. here. Did they? Yeah, Micro huh. Center. Interesting. They're, they're comparable to fries for people out on the West Coast. Huh. I don't know if they I have need, Micro Center out there now. But. I think they're a lot more focused than fries. Uh, okay. Like, if you mm. took the electronics and computer section out of fries and built it a standalone thing, and that's the, that's the only thing they did, then that's a pretty good understanding of what it is. Like they don't sell washers and dryers and TVs and telescopes and right, right. Drones doesn't sell those. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, so then Dom takes the uh, uh, the composite of Cisco to her boss, and he decides to put that composite on the news to catch him, put out a bolo on him. Even though Dom explains that the Dark Army will kill him if they realize the FBI is snooping around, 
Her boss says, contact the cab companies and see if they know where Cisco went that night. Of course. Of course, boss, you contact the cab companies. It's the first thing you do right? when you hear that he got into a cab. I know that. Mm-hmm. Jesus. But I think he's... He's got, like, I've got a lead. Here's the person's already following up. That's what makes me think, like, I can't tell if he's dirty because he does seem like he's just following the FBI's policy. And if mm-hmm. if this guy's, like, like Director Comey's got to be uh, dirty as well. Um, but I don't know. Did you also, did you get, uh, is this the first time I've heard Mobley's real name, Sunil Markesh? Because I had to look that up. I'm like, who the fuck is Sunil Markesh? Oh, I think it's it might Mobley. be. Yeah, first time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like here's here's the thing. I remember being utterly convinced that special agent in charge Merker from Breaking Bad was all up in Gus yep. and his lackey and it's dirty. All of that turned out to be completely untrue. Yeah. And it turns out someone can really be that blinded and gullible and ignorant and plausibly so. Mm-hmm. Um so I guess I'm a little gunshot about calling this guy dirty when it seems like they're giving a lot of cover for him in the episode that he's just doing what the, you know, and also that's that's kind of United States uh, playbook. Mm-hmm. Like we want results. We want them yesterday. We don't give a shit about if it actually is going to solve the problem. Like attempting to solve the problem, having the appearance of solving the problem is more useful for politicians than actually solving the problem. Right. Which explains a lot of society's ills. And that's the key to it, is this guy also really wants to look like he's doing the right thing here. And think about what the all the Congress people's attitudes would be when those bronze balls got dropped in the the you know, oh. the Senate chambers or like they like now everybody has got their fucking ego involved and like not only have they knocked us on our ass, but now they're fucking making dick and ball jokes like everybody would be yeah. down their throats like why aren't you making this go away why aren't right. why aren't there arrest made why so i it kind of makes sense that there would be this pressure to get like generate a bunch of smoke and movement and heat but no real solutions yeah and there would also be this divide between these two people i think they're at different levels of this organization right one level is all about getting the job done. Dom doesn't care that right. he wants it to look good for the public or for the politicians. Right. He, she just cares about getting these people behind bars. Sure. Uh, whereas he's, you know, like, I don't know what level he's at here. He's clearly, like, running some kind of local branch of it. Right. Um, but he's got a responsibility to also the public, right? Right. Which is is different from Dom's position, so yeah. you can see how they'd have different takes on this. Legitimately, D- Dom is like McNulty, and the boss is like the you know police commissioner from The Wire. Like they uh-huh. both both see things and have very different pressures and very different like reward mechanisms. Right, but you can also see if they can get to the deputy director of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they can if, get to the FBI. If, because we're, we don't we're pretty even sure know. on that. I mean, Are we? I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, she had an awful lot of information about Angela that, and, and just the way she was speaking. I'm, I'm with Angela on that. I yeah, think she was, I am too, but it's not a certainty. It could be a, it could be right. a misdirect due to paranoia. But if you assume that they can get to her, then they can probably get to this FBI, this mid-level FBI guy. I agree with that. So um, let's move on to Elliot shopping at Micro Center. 
He gets a call from the phone, or on the phone that Joanna gave him, and when he answers, Mr. Robot disappears, and Elliot, oh, hears, oh. And Elliot hears breathing on the line. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Other altered personality disappears when the other altered personality shows up, eh? Is that what you're saying to me? I mean, I think this is the best evidence that wherever, what, however he began in this world, that Tyrell now is living inside Elliot's head. Hmm, Okay. At this point, there's only there's only room for two of them, one of them to manifest at a time. Well, how? I guess I, my first question would be then: How would you explain the idea or, or the scene that we saw with Joanna hearing this exact same thing on this phone without the presence of Elliot? I think Elliot Elliot is the one making the phone call to himself at this point. So he's so he's calling up himself and breathing. Well, as, you don't have to explain Tyrell. like you don't have to explain how at when 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 Elliot's in the same room. That's like saying like does, is Christian Slater is he right. materializing an actual body and manipulating it via telekinesis? No, that's no, just a figment of his imagination. I think this is all taking place in his head. Okay. Because also the other thing that reinforces that is he gets a phone call. Not only does Mister Robot disappear, but everyone fucking disappears. Like the store is empty. Right. Showing that he's like entering a delusional state here. So mm-hmm. like, did the phone even fucking ring? Um, was it Angela trying to get a hold of him initially? Like yeah. I, you, you don't, you don't really know. Sure. Uh, oh, it can't be Joanna. It can't be. It can't be Angela because this is Joanna's phone. Yeah. But uh, I, 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 I just feel like they're. Why would you do it? Why would you have Mister Robot go away? Why would Elliot draw so much audience attention to that if that wasn't very significant? And then, what is the significance of it if not? It goes into the knit five, which so we the, talked about. The last title implies that you're, you, you know, you were running in single user mode. Now you're running in multi user mode. So mm-hmm. this is Tyrell's identity trying to break out. Uh, there was that one scene where Elliot's in jail. Well, he's in his mom's house, and he gets and that he gets phone, phone call, call from Tyrell. And Mister Robot is also there. That is true. So I don't, I don't know if that says anything about. He was still in a knit mode one. <laughs> right. I don't. I have no idea if that says yeah, anything no, about I, it. That so but, clearly, I don't think the understanding is completely correct. But I, so, Mister Robot doesn't have to disappear here if this is Tyrell and it's all in Elliot's head because he didn't the last time that Elliot heard Tyrell. A lot of things have changed in their relationship. That's true. Yeah. Like they've they've declared a truce. Uh, you know the the knit states have changed, and I'm 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 making that kind of like a joke, but I also think that's a serious thing. Like the show is trying yeah, yeah. to tell us something. Uh, metaphorically about you know how fractured Elliot psyche is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. I'm just uh, yeah. Maybe that now that they've made that truce, um, he and he and Mr. Robot are more connected, and so this third personality can't come through when Mr. Robot's around. Right. I I don't know. It's impossible to say honestly. They're also working this cryptocurrency angle more and more blatantly. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this coming. Sure. Well, the beginning first, of the season. Yeah, when yeah. they had the e-coin, and then uh, Darlene used it to bribe the, the pet incinerator guy, and now they're talking about using right. it in place of credit cards. Uh, it's an obvious It's an obvious trajectory. Cause like, it, it's funny it, because that, that if that's E-Corps, And I don't mean obvious in a negative way. I just yeah. mean it makes a lot of sense. Right. Given E-Corp's goals. And, and also, given E-Corp's goals, it makes me feel like they're playing checkers while the Dark Army's playing chess. Because they're trying to do Foster's cryptocurrency on the world. Dark Army's trying to fucking build uh, doomsday weapons, apparently. I, uh, sure. That sounds like a plausible <laughs> so, like, thing okay, they're doing. Cool cryptocurrency, dude. 
Mm-hmm. Um, here comes Terminator 2 kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. Uh, so, I, I mean, I do have some general feelings on this episode, or on this season more as a whole, but I wonder if I should save those for, like, a wrap-up cast in a... Because the way I've been feeling lately about this show is season two has been getting a little lost, whereas season one was a little more focused. Um, I really liked the goal that was pushing season one, which was the hack. Mm -hmm. We got to get this in place. We got to make sure it's done. All of the stuff that they were trying to do was in in further, trying to further that goal. Right. Where the goals this here has been, feel more nebulous and fluid. And they are. They're very fluid. And then society's on the defensive. Yeah, It's very Empire Strikes Back, right? Sure. The rebel yeah. struck. Now the Empire's coming back, and the rebel, rebel rebellion has to run from them and go to Hoth and get chased from Hoth and get their arms cut off and all kinds of shit. Yeah. Um, so, I just wish there was a, a bigger goal that they were trying to attain here. I wish. I guess I wish that like stage two had not been set up this season but rather executed this season and mm. it was it was the main thrust of the plot yeah i don't know like i'm i'm fine with the good guys being scattered and having to be play play reactionary for a while um that can be interesting too i will just say that like i felt like everything came into focus for mr robot season one around episode eight and then i thought the final two episodes meandered a bit um this is kind of the opposite where mm-hmm. Yeah. Beginning was incredibly strong, but there was a stretch in the middle where there's a couple episodes where I'm like, why am I watching this show again? I don't get it. And now it seems like it's coming to a focus mm-hmm. um, with the promise that there'll be a lot more you know, exciting stuff happen over the next episode. So like, I don't know whether that's better pacing. Uh, I got to see the whole season, but I, I, I don't know. I, it's right now, without these next two episodes, I'd say season two is weaker than season one. And I I binge watched season one, so That's I feel like that another, is a factor. So I didn't. I kind yeah. I guess I kind of did. I, I started watching around week eight. Okay. Yeah. Um, which is right where it fell off for you. <laughs> yeah, and well, but so, that is that because the right. I I, stru- I I altered the structure of my watching, like it or could is it be... because the show just slowed down? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a good question. I I do feel roughly the same. I think season one to this point has been much much uh, more focused. And therefore, much stronger than season two. And that's not it's saying... not like a true detective thing where season one was amazing, season two sucked hard. Right. Oh, no, no. This is still really good. It's just I wish there was more focus. Also, I will say that I think the best scene, the best, some of the best stuff in the whole series is in this season. Like I don't know, if there's anything okay. as good. Although I know that heroin episode is pretty fucking good. It was real good, yeah. And uh, what's her face in the trunk was really good. But like, was it better than the Full House episode? It's very different. I mean, because that's what I'm saying. Like that's yeah. that's one of the finest moments in the show, and it's in season it two. So, and I think one of the finest moments in the show actually happens this episode as well. Mm. I think the very last scene is outstanding. Sure, just incredible. Um, but we'll get to that. Okay. So, Darlene and Cisco are in the waiting room of the hospital where they've taken Vincent to get care. Darlene tells Cisco about the time she was kidnapped as a child, and she kind of enjoyed it. And that's intercut with Elliot impersonating a police officer and faking an attempted suicide report to get the phone carrier to give him a location on that phone that Joanna has been getting calls from. Uh, And in the meantime, he's also getting emergency messages from Angela. Uh, He's questioning whether Mr. Robot could have lied about Tyrell. 
and he decides there must be something in this room that Mr. Robot needs, and he asks us to help him find it, which I thought was pretty awesome. I was of two minds because I said mockingly earlier in the season, like, are we going to get Dora the Explorer level, you know, or like a Peter Pan clap for Tinkerbell levels of audience engagement, and they just did it. They just nakedly... But, but you have this running dialogue from Elliot to us the entire time. It's not I like it's it. out of nowhere. No, no, I know. But it's it struck me a bit funny. Hmm. But it's okay. it's asking you to solve this mystery. And I'm sure... Have you have you seen... like? Oh, do you want to talk about that stuff right now? Or do you want to... Uh, there's sure. A, the... I, I want to talk... Before we get to the Easter egg, I want to talk about this okay. thing with Darlene. Mm-hmm. Um, this trip at Coney Island, is it the same trip that Ellie got shoved off the pier? Um, how many times I have no idea because the thing is they, she used a lot of language was from the full house episode where it's like, it's the, what's their last name? Elliot, the, the Anderson, is it Anderson? Alderson. Alderson. It's the Alderson family outing, which is what, you know, Mr. Robot said he was doing on the full house episode. And, you know, she talks about this all being about Elliot and then her going missing and then her father, you know, Mr. Robot seems, if if we can mesh the loving father with what we know about his violent outburst, uh, kind of unstable. Like, something like losing his daughter might cause him to shove his son off a pier or something like this. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. But there, it's significant that these are nexuses of these bad memories. Um, also, the thing that really puzzled me is I looked in his Claudia Kincaid. Did you do any research on this? Hmm. So this is a character from a children's book called From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. And it's a story of this 12-year-old Claudia who decides to run away from her home very happily because she thinks her parents don't appreciate her and doesn't like them. And she takes her brother and they live in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And they hide out there, and like it's a, an adventure story that Ben they, Stiller made a movie about this. Uh, you kind of, yeah, <laughs> I actually think I've read this book, or what it was read to me back in grade school. But the kids camp mm-hmm. out, okay. and they evade the guards, and how they live, and how they they build their little nest here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the museum is gifted this angel statue, and the kids are able to track down this mystery to who donated it, and they find this woman who is the uh, Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler, who has donated this. M- unknown michelangelo to the museum it's worth like you know it's a priceless thing and she donates it and um i don't know but i i don't know exactly what all the meta here is but the important thing um the angel thing's probably important too but the important thing is you've got this woman this girl who is running away from home because she's unappreciated mm-hmm. why does angela use that name that seems like something darlene that would be more of a darlene suit on him right so and also, if you had to give like someone who is a Lolita type character in this season, I would say it would be Angela, even though Darlene's the one using the Lolita pseudonym and her hacker right. alias. So what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I wish I knew. I mean, we I t- wish I had even a guess for you. I don't know. We've talked about how like you know these characters seem to be ref- shadowy reflections of each other. Angel, uh, you know, Angela's always wearing. Artistically wears white, and she's got the name An- uh, Angela, Angel. Uh, you know, Darlene is the more darker character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they, they do this twist, like, is it possible that we are led to believe it's An- Angela trying to get a hold of him, and it's actually Darlene texting him? And I if so, what does that mean? because they met. I mean, Angela and Elliot met. Unless mm. he's seeing Angela, and it's actually Darlene. 
Are they the same person? I mean, <laughs> who knows at this point? But no, that can't be right. But I just—it's yeah. super interesting that they gave all this backstory, and then they gave the Claudia Kincaid pseudonym to Angela. Yeah. Like, hmm. what is that? It's like I'm driving myself crazy trying to think. What is he trying to tell me? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so let's talk about the Easter egg. Okay, I've seen a couple of uh, a couple of points that people are trying to pick up on. One, yeah. so. I guess there was an interview with, yep. was it Sam? Was it no, Sam it wasn't Sam. It was, it was the, one of the other writers or maybe a cinematographer or, dir- or a director or something. Because he writes and directs everything, but he's some he's 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 in he's something in some kind of showrunner involvement. Yeah. So so this guy gave, I, th- I think it was like an email interview mm-hmm. um, or a text interview. And he wrote this big, long paragraph talking specifically about this scene. And there were weird misplaced like capital letters yeah scattered through this paragraph and if you combine them they all spell bottom right yeah like all the so, capital letters in the, the the his long paragraph response about what this easter egg is about spells bottom right right so now people are looking in that scene checking the bottom right corner at at different points during it um and they found a couple of things that seem like they could be clues one yeah. is a book that's open on his table right the it's other got a spotlight is, shining on it Right. Somehow they've There's able to they've been able to find out not just not just what book but what page it was open to. Right. Uh, do you want to talk about that first, or did, did, uh, talk about the other possibility? Well, the other possibility is just a stack of mail that's on the floor. Which that was at the beginning of the scene. Right. If you start the pan at the beginning, look at the bottom right. There's a huge stack of mail. You know, from like people. You know, like him. He's been gone a long time. There's a buildup of mail being thrown through the mail slot. Mm-hmm. The significance of that is, you know, Leon told. Elliot to wait for a ma- letter from White Rose mm-hmm. or the Dark Army on Tuesday is that and and Elliot is almost like seemingly forgotten about that. I think that letter has been. I think that has been explored and over with. I think that when? was the, le- the letter that he was getting to leave prison. The letter that said, "You're released." Hmm. Hmm. I think that's done with. I think that's okay. a dead end. I I don't know. I. Uh, I, I, uh, maybe that, uh, now you got me sick cause I'd forgotten about that, but uh, a lot of people are saying to his mm-hmm. therapist. Right. And she's like, Oh, congratulations. All but this kind of stuff. I didn't think that that was a letter for like, you'd be expecting, well, I guess, I, I guess I can't remember what exactly Leon said. My implication was that that was going to be some communique for what happens next from the dark army. I suppose it's possible, but that's not, but then again, he's driving phase two. So, Okay, so that that was one theory that if you started the pan at the beginning, look bottom right, there was a stack of mail. Uh, and then the end is the book. The book is the uh, Mastering Microsoft Link Server 2013, which are you know there's tons if if you're if you've been in the tech industry, you know that there are shit tons of these phone book thick thick volumes that are deep dives into the technology and cookbooks and solutions All and best made practices entirely and, obsolete in about. 2002 yeah yeah. well no i don't i disagree i think these books like if you're trying to learn a new technology um this is way better than paging back and forth from a pdf and being able to uh Hmm. you know dog ear stuff and have it open and stuff i i so i still think there's there's reasons to print these thousand page tomes that go out of date every (laughs) fucking year uh interestingly enough microsoft bought out skype and this my, link server is no and which was funny because they were just really ramming it down our throats because I was still in the biz in this year. Uh, that's all been subsumed and it's now like Microsoft Skype server. 
these technologies all blended together. Uh, but this book was open to these pages that are all about using PowerShell, which is the scripting language that Microsoft has to do like command line scripting and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, to use PowerShell to manipulate and alter roles and grant administrative power to non-administrative roles. Playing again with the idea of role, like you know, role-based security. Also, you know, different roles that you play inside one's head, different identities. Um, also, could so, be a sign for how what they're going to do with the next exploit because Link Server, uh, you know, since it becomes Skype, you can guess it. It's all about voice over IP and uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, audio communication technologies. So what does Mr. Robot want with this book? Oh, I mean... Does he want to hide it? For, is it is it something that Mr. Robot wants or something Mr. Robot doesn't want Elliot to see? I don't know because why with the spotlight... Because I feel like nobody's going that direction with it and that's a yeah. viable direction. And I think none of these clues seem to really answer the question Elliot's asking unless there's something in the White Rose thing explaining... Unless there's a letter sitting there explaining what stage two is. Like, did, would a hacker really send a letter to somebody through that the mail? That doesn't feel right. But maybe, <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, then this is it. The, these Easter eggs. The key are, is as of eleven forty-five a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Friday morning, unsolved. Mm-hmm. No, there's there's ideas, and everyone's kind of identified them. But what did they mean, man? I don't know. Maybe this Easter egg you have to play underwater to understand it. <laughs> oh, so man, they were going off on audio clues too. Well, because in sure. the subway, there there are a couple of posters. And 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 there's like that baby monitor noise throughout the whole scene with right. Joanna that like could easily be, uh, you know, like the hang in there kitten poster encoding. It doesn't seem like people have ran it through, and there doesn't seem like there's anything. You can definitely see a block of of. It, 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 there are times in this is the soundtrack where you can see that there is encoding there, but no one really knows what that is supposed to mean. No one's no one's cracked it yet. Yeah, um, I imagine by next week people will have. Pro- probably, I, I would imagine so because they'll they'll keep churning on this thing. Sure. In the meantime, but yeah, I'll, I'll point those posters out and talk about them a little more when we get to them. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if I don't know how much more you want to talk about Darlene, but she realizes you know she's not special. She needs Elliot, and I guess what Cisco said really hit a nerve with her. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, a cool little moment where Elliot's making a Pringles can antenna, which we haven't actually seen them do before, even though it functions basically exactly the same as the thing Darlene was using at that hotel room. Yeah. So just a, just a long version. range yeah, antenna. Now, here's a, a technical problem I had with this. I've always understood that you had to have, uh, to make the pring- the can tennis work, you have to have them on both ends. Because you're you're definitely you're definitely boosting the signal that Elliot's device is putting out, but if he's piggybacking on someone else's router, don't they have to also get the return signal? I, or else, what the fuck is happening? You know, I don't think that's true, and I actually never understood how that could be, how that could work. I always thought it had to be like if you had a Pringles can thing, like you can set up a like five miles away, but you have to have them both pointed at each other like shotguns. I don't think that's true. Huh. But it, I it could, could not explain to you how that worked. Uh, okay. Because it's a... I, I withdraw the objection if it's not true, but I've always, every time I, because I, you know, in the beginning, this was always used like when the internet was 
um, very uncommon uh, to get like <laughs> access to rural areas. Like if you could find right. like like guys that had ham antennas or going up there and climbing on and putting a Pringles can mm-hmm. up there, and then like you go someplace if you f- had a buddy that lived downtown. You could get yeah. on top of their apartment or like in their window and point it at that, and then you could get a working internet connection over this that. Back in the days when I was considering doing some war driving. Sure, this is when <laughs> slash dot dot org actually right. people read it as a you know before dig and Reddit killed it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I and I don't I again I don't understand how it worked because you're just boosting. You know, it'd be like if you're across the right. Grand Canyon, one guy's screaming and the other guy's still talking to normal volume it, until he gets right. that guy gets a megaphone too. It's a one way communication. Yeah, I, I didn't, I don't quite understand how it works, but I don't think you actually do need it on both sides. And I, it also it could just be, you know, I, I forgive them for making occasional technical mistakes for the stake, sake of the story. Sure. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think there's really a need to sum up this hack because Elliot does it himself. He mm-hmm. essentially says, I'm impersonating an NYPD officer. It's not even a hack. It's a, This is it's pure social, social engineering. engineering. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm I'm just getting the carrier to trace this phone for me. That's as simple as that. Yep. Um, but I, I really do love that he asks us. I, I know you have some minor problems with it, but I, I when they started going into this, I was like, yep, yep, that's real cool. Well, also... Playing a Where's Waldo with the audience here. You know, that virtual reality experience, one of the core things of it was being in Elliot's room. And it's essentially right. the same. Yeah. And I wonder, like, are these Easter egg alternative reality experiences converging to where they intend you to go through hmm. the, you know, virtual reality high res 3D thing to uncover this? Man, I should go try that. I have the cardboard. Well, I saw a video of it. So where someone had taken that part out and it looked like uh-huh. that the spotlight was not on. Hmm. So okay. that like makes the book extra significant. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping they'll figure it out by next week and we can report back. Uh, so Darlene and Cisco get no news about Vincent. It's going to be another hour before they'll know anything. So they decide to go get some food. Just a real quick scene talking to the nurse there. the The key thing here is that the nurse meets them and rec- like sees them. Also, specifically Cisco. No red lanterns this episode, but Cisco's wearing a bright red trucker cap. That's kind of his his look, his signature look, isn't it? Yeah, but or does uh, he wear a lot of different hats? I don't know. I'm just saying he's wearing a bright red hat on the episode where he likely got killed. What's the Red Hat hacker? Is that like Red Hat? Red Hat Linux that... used to be a Linux distribution, right? Might still be. I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the Red Hats do. I'm talking about black and white hats do, but uh, Elliot tracks the phone to a house that Joanna's goon says Tyrell would not be calling from. Mm-hmm. Any theories on where? this phone is i've got one uh people said it was no uh it seemed like the most popular theory was that it's uh the cto Knowles, scott Knowles, that yep. he's he's fucking with joanna that's which would be kind of funny that, yeah um and that they've they've they showed us enough backstory between these four that we know that we didn't know the whole story in season one and they probably had more interactions than we know so it's plausible that at some point since they made it a point to show his wife and and him remarking on her earrings that may I mean I doubt they would tell the full story of him right. fucking the redhead triumphantly for them but do they know enough does he know enough about this major mission gift giving that he's doing this to fuck with her right that's the that's the, the that's that's a good question yeah and I, the one that I don't think we know the answer to and that's annoying because I, in a perfect show I would confidently state that we already know the answer. We just haven't seen it. We just haven't put it together yet. 
here it's just as likely that four episodes from now in the second episode of next season we'll see the conversation where scott Knowles gets the information he needs to pull off this hack which mm-hmm. i don't like i don't like that at all that's, that's not a mystery that's just withholding information <laughs> uh-huh. that's like telling a kid like you know how do babies get here well you know uh birds and the bees and storks are involved <laughs> right <laughs> then they find out season three there are no storks and then the later on they find pissed. out it's actually putting a penis in a vagina what what yeah of course how did you not put that together well you told me the <laughs> wrong information asshole yeah i i don't know so i like i wonder how I, I, is the music box significant or is it just to deliver that phone because he does give like the baby rattle the I, it's, it's multiple gifts right there's all kinds of triumphs happening so i <laughs> every time he screws oh. a redhead she gets a gift Oh man, uh, yeah, I I don't know. My my first instinct was Scott Knowles' house because I'm trying to think of places that he wouldn't be, or mm. that government face man thinks he wouldn't be. That would definitely be and one. Hanging of them. out with Scott Knowles is one. Yep, yep. Um, it's a wealth. It's like that's like the it's, that's a very wealthy part of Manhattan, right? I think so. I mean, it's right out there by Central Park, which is sure. Uh, a lot of the stuff around there is yeah, pretty. But everybody pretty in the movies fancy. lives there. How can it right. possibly be expensive? Like literally everyone <laughs> That's in the movies are in there. the movies, right? <laughs> uh, so I I don't know. Did were there any other interesting theories on who it might be, or was that pretty much the best one? That was the the best one. Uh, okay. That it was actually Joanna's house. Although Elliot would know that, wouldn't he? Maybe he was just there, but the calls coming from inside the house. Um, yeah, I I that's and, the, and that's the... government issue face man didn't sound like. He couldn't have been there because that's where Joanna it's, was. Yeah, it's it was like more it like no sense that he's not going to be there. Yeah, yeah. Not like we just came from there and he wasn't there. Yeah, I yeah I don't know. Anyway, the FBI bust into Cisco's apartment, apparently tracking him via the cab service. They finally have his identity, which which we see as Francis Shaw. Yeah, we we'll finally get the. That's why he's called Cisco. Francis Francisco. Oh, Cisco. Okay. I thought I thought he was good with routers. Uh, the sketch also. Well, yeah, it doesn't you know doesn't obviously if his uh, you know last name was Pencil Dick, it, <laughs> it, it, he probably wouldn't have gone to Cisco. The, the fact that it right. has an association with um, you know hacker culture technologies probably helped. Uh, uh, so this composite sketch of him also makes it out onto the news, and the nurse at the hospital sees it and goes, "Oh, that's the guy." Mm-hmm. So, do you do you have any information on the significance of this name, Francis Shaw? Mm-mm. So apparently, that is the real middle and last name of the actress who plays Shayla from season one. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Her her so middle that's, name's that's... Frankie, and her last name's Shaw. Okay, so that's just a Easter egg in the purest form. It's it's just a wink at the show itself it seems like doesn't it doesn't really have any breaking bad did this a couple times sure with sure using real actors names as right. character names as homages yeah yeah uh sure I, I think that's just an easter egg no okay. real information then elliot gets another message from angela saying hey we need to meet up real real urgent uh darlene decides they should go on the run and dom arrives at the hospital and questions the nurse who tells her that they left after she told them to come back in an hour Mm -hmm. and her boss decides they're not coming back right let's burn this place too uh he's just man he is a the true pyro well i don't know his name hot hot boss hot (laughs) fbi right uh is it santiago 
Santiago, uh, maybe. I think, uh, yeah, her boss, whatever her boss is, is, yeah. I don't give a shit about his name. He's just the, the FBI dude. Hot boss. Hot boss. <laughs> Hot boss in the world. Uh, yeah, I, so Darlene's really making me raise my eyebrow here because mm. she's all about this. Um, we need to go on the run stuff. I'm yeah. sick of looking over my shoulder. Hit from, hit, hit from afar. Too fucking ba- Did you not realize you were going to have to look over your shoulder for the rest of your goddamn life well, once you pull this hack off, Darlene? My interpretation is she's saying, I'm tired of trying to pretend like, of, of, of keeping the normal life routine and acting like that. So, like, I just, like, if we're going to fucking be, look, let's just go into hiding. Let's, 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 let's commit to the terrorist lifestyle. Okay. Like, where we're, you know. Uh, uh, sure. I think she needs to. Yeah. Because they're in some serious trouble here, sure. obviously. Uh, then Elliot meets with Angela, who tells him that she's turning herself in. She won't say anything to the FBI about F-Society, but she's going to tell them that she planted the femtocell. Uh, they hug, and Elliot kisses her before leaving and before two figures approach Angela ominously. Uh, and there's some intercutting here with Darlene and Cisco deciding to just sit tight for a bit and Dom realizing they're still close by. We got to talk about this on, on the subway. Angela's sitting beneath a sign that is advertising this product called Phase. Both of them are. Oh, they're Elliot both. Okay. and Angela. There's two uh, of them, yeah. Excellent audio for the discerning listener, which is another mm-hmm. clue to look at the audio. And again, uh, there are definitely some things there, but no one knows exactly what or what they mean at this point. And also phase is like, you know, we talked with what we're curious about is phase two. So it seems like if and you could put all is an audio term as well. Yeah, true, true. Um, if you if, if you put all this together, maybe these clues point us to what is actually going on in phase two. But to to date, again, at the time maybe. of us sitting down to podcast, no one has cracked the code. So we we do like we we talked about the spectrogram uh thing that happened earlier with this this hang in there kitty uh kitty whatever it was uh that happened that was all via the audio people pointed out that these posters were actually in episode 4 as well the hang in this there season one? huh what the hang in there one no no the phase ones cuz they're on the subway oh, 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 multiple sure. times and okay. these are still they're on the subway when they're shooting so like because there's a lot of stuff and a lot of things like Angela's motivational posters were part of one of the Easter egg websites that you could right. hack and uncover. Yeah. So people are wondering, like, do we need to look specifically in this episode? Maybe they were trying to give us a hint about the kitty thing earlier on. Uh, there's a lot of confusion because some people are trying to do this phasing thing where if you have audio that's slightly out of phase, you can kind of cancel out most of... That's how, yeah, noise-canceling headphones work. You, right. One wave is coming to your ear, it sends out a, a opposite wave, and just like in the ocean, and you those only get meet, the audio. it goes flat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so people are trying to do that with the audio of the episode and see if there's anything hidden in the track. So far, nothing has come up, I guess. I've seen analysis where it suggests that there is things in the track, people just don't know how it's encoded. Right. So, like, there does seem like there's a couple blocks where you can see the audio go way outside the normal spectrums and mm-hmm. it looks like it's data. But again, that's, that just shows that there's something there, there. It's kind of like the same way. Like I'm still convinced there's, in, there's, there's information buried in those motivational posters. Like two of them mm-hmm. were like, all, most of them were like a few hundred K. A yeah. few of them were several megs that implies that they had a payload inside them. Uh, cause they weren't any bigger or higher resolution than the other copies. That, so I guess maybe this is the second Easter egg we haven't quite cracked. 
Um, I think people just gave up on those. It's like, well, I mean, you know, maybe they're just sloppy encoding. So I don't Seems know. like it. Yeah, they were talking about, oh, well, the resolution's higher, so maybe, maybe. there's nothing. Um, so I like here that Dom, when she figures this out, that they're still close by, just fucking leaves. Yeah. She's not going to say, we need to get everybody out of here. They're coming back. Like, go to her boss again. It's it's fruit fruitless mm-hmm. entirely. She's been doing that for episodes now. Yeah. She's like, fuck it. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to find these people myself. Uh, that was a nice little touch. And then the, the brownouts in the streets when she's kind of uh, just out there trying to find them really set a tone. Like, just having the lights go out around her and, like, flash back on. Uh, I don't know. They're really building to this final scene that I think is excellent. Right. Well, the other thing in this conversation, Angela's saying, you know, we were a long way from the night we were going to get high and watch Back to the Future 2. Uh-huh. There was other people claiming in that panorama thread that you can see the box for Back to the Future 2 on the shelf, and it looks like there's a little piece of paper sticking out of it. Now, it's not the bottom right. And I never could, because there's other thing is I couldn't see the pile of mail until someone processed it, brightened it, and like right. did a lot of shit to it. Because yeah. like I don't know if my eyes are bad. My those pers- scenes are dark. Those scenes are super <laughs> fucking dark. So like, you know, people are saying that that is the back to. And the other thing is like that Microsoft Link server. I don't see how they made that cover out. Like a guy's like, here it is on a table, and here it is on the mic. Real, like, oh, okay. they did it in the VR thing. Is, is oh, my understanding. They went they? into the VR and they it was a high either rate. got up close to it well, or no, it was on it the was, shelves. It was, yeah, or... it, was, it was laying closed on like a nightstand or something. Right. Uh, I mean, because however they – because again, I don't see – I looked at all those methods. I didn't see how they got the cover from that, but it's – it's unmistakable. I recognize the 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 pages. Like it's low res, you can't read them, but you can see the paragraphs. And there's like example code is all indented, and they have these gray mm-hmm. like tip boxes. And it's it is that page out of the books. But like how I'm amazed at how people can sift through this and find that. Yeah, the amount of time it must some take. nerd had this server book in his bookshelf, and like I know uh, or I've seen that before. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, I think this is the first decision Angela's made in a long time that I fully get, that I'm fully behind. Give yourself up, Angela. Just mm-hmm. do it, because you're not built for this, obviously. Well, the other thing about this this Claudia character, she says she talks a mess about I found finding him at the museum mm-hmm. and who he was seeing. Like, yeah, I want, and like that's a seems like a direct reference to that book. Yeah, could be the scattered oh, files of Mrs. Whatchamacallit. Uh huh. Mixed up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frank Weiler. Hmm. Um, so there's super, that's super significant. I don't know what the fuck it means. It's uh, like the third Easter egg I don't understand in this, this thing. The one other important thing in Angela's scene in that subway is one, well, I mean, do we want to talk about the relationship between Angela and Elliot? Well, the, Angela the seems genuinely, kind of has genuinely affected by the kiss. Yeah. Uh, um, it makes you wonder, like, is that just her having not realized, I guess, how Elliot felt about her or questioning whether Elliot's what Elliot's intentions are there? Because he's I crazy. Questioned, well, not only that, but like <laughs> it would be super beneficial from him for him to have her back off this whole I'm going to rat myself out thing. How paranoid is she essentially? Well, and and how well founded is a paranoia? Because right. I can definitely see a universe in which Elliot kisses her because his crazy mental arithmetic tells him that this is the best chance he's got to keep her quiet. Now, yeah. I also think he's in love with her. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it has I agree. been for so, but but you know, just because it's, the, I think this is a nice moment between them. Actually, 
He knows this is probably the last time he's going to see her because um, she's going to prison. So you're taking it. You're just taking it straight up. Yeah. Okay. It's probably a mistake on this show. Mm-hmm. I'll admit. But yeah, I think the relationship that they've built that not they haven't really done a ton to build it. They've just been kind of dancing around it. But uh-huh. I feel like that that tap dance that they've done with Elliot and Angela, this moment feels right for them as as kind of a farewell. Mm-hmm. But okay. that's just me. Uh, and then they pull this essentially who's at the door trick again, which come on, is that your only trick you have for ending a scene? Yeah. Mr. Mr. Esmail. Especially when they're both heavy breathing and yeah, I, I just, I <laughs> really are, don't did... like the end of, of these scenes when they're just like, Oh, who is it? And we don't, I, I have no idea. Like these, this per I don't think I've seen these people or if they have, they've been ma- minor characters. I was like, well, is this the black guy that was the FBI undercover guy? And nah, some fi- that dude had hair. This guy looks okay. bald as yeah, yeah. the day he was yeah, born. His head's a little bit lumpier. That guy's better looking. I, yeah. I, I honestly have no idea who these people, and I don't care because they haven't given me a reason to care. So, other than Angela might be in trouble. It, oh, was Angela wearing a wire in the scene? That was a popular piece of speculation. That's also a good question. I don't think so. Uh-huh. Because that's also a, a, a tease at the audio for the discerning listener. Right. And she's like, essentially, hey, Ellie, I haven't seen you in a long time. What about that crazy crime that we all pulled right. off? Why did I you start know? F Society? Yeah. Yeah. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. Uh, and and he, cool, he doesn't directly answer that question, but he kind of, he says, I didn't want to get you involved. Yeah. That's kind of an admission. Kind of. Kind of. Lawyers it's on tough. both sides that have a field day with it, I'm sure. Right, right. Um. But so these people are actually a little more interesting than they seem at first because apparently they've been lurking around Angela mm. for episodes now. These are They're figments like four of her five... imagination. They finally showed up eight episodes into <laughs> right. Her psychosis two. is presenting yeah. itself. Oh God! It's two middle-aged characters from Sesame Street. You're going to find out. <laughs> it's Mr. Roper and uh, Carmilla. Was that the? I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. And. Uh, Helen Hunt from Twister. <laughs> They're both weather people, right? Sure. You're talking about Mr. Al Roper, yeah? No, I was talking about the the you know the nice know, neighbor guy from Sesame Street. <laughs> Tell me you were allowed to watch Sesame Street. I was. Okay. Yes. Uh, I think they need Oscar in there. I think mm. that needs to be her. Plus, you know, they're not picking up the trash. That's that, true. that would probably be Oscar's Oscar. having a fucking field day out yeah, there. Yeah, I was gonna say he's throwing a fit, but no, this is like this. This is he's the true mastermind behind this all. He wants the whole world to be covered in trash. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess like four or five instances they've been hovering around Angela, huh. kind of watching. And I don't know if they're FBI. We we what, don't really know what they are. Or no, throughout the season. Had, did you notice this? No, someone okay. else on Reddit went and did all their huh. research. Damn found him you don't read this fucking subreddit every eight hours you miss some stuff that front page recycles like every four hours it's crazy yeah um, like it's legit height of season five breaking bad insanity already yep be interesting to see where that goes uh so final scene dom tracks down darlene and cisco she calls for backup and goes inside to confront him but before backup can get there the dark army shows up with an uzi and lights up the diner they're all in the gunman is clipped by dom and kills himself before the cops can take him and then after, um, and then that's pretty much the end. After the the credits, we get kind of a long audio sequence, which I think a lot of people are leaning into, uh, analyzing that as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's much there to really get. It's it's just the aftermath of this scene. Cops 
arriving and dealing with bodies and a little safety gunshots. tip too when dealing with police not only do you put your hands up get on the ground just scream just keep screaming green yeah yeah it might yeah, save your green. life <laughs> shout green and pull out your wallet real quick and right you're good yep get on the ground um <laughs> you might even become an fbi agent doing that <laughs> i don't know this deputized on the spot uh-huh. got some moves kid you shot green <laughs> like i've never seen anyone shot green before here's your badge uh I thought, okay, street sign countdown, cute or awesome? Too cute or street awesome? Street sign countdown. You didn't notice this? I didn't this? notice what you're talking about. So the crossing guard, as the guy gets off the motorcycle, starts off at 11, and it counts down to zero, and then it goes oh, to no as he I, opens fire. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Like I said, too cute or awesome? I really couldn't tell you. I think it's kind of cool, because you already know what's going to happen there, right? Uh-huh. It's not like... We're wondering, is he going to shoot the place up? Yeah. He's got an automatic weapon. Yeah, I I think that's kind of neat. I thought so, too. I think this whole scene is just really well constructed. Yeah. Like, from from the lighting to the position of the camera, just, like, to posi- being able to, to the bring... the position of the, the ketchup bottles. Right, right. Let's... Let's save that for just a second. Okay. I, I want to I want to praise this scene a little bit more. Because I really like how it, it enables, like, not only stuff to come from the right side of this this scene when we see the guy kill himself but it also enables like the dark army to kind of come from a different area of the frame kind of mm, giving you right the significance of of these different factions i i just really love it and the close-ups on dom and then the just silence while she's in there saying whatever she's saying to the these guys popular theory is that next episode is going to open up with her coming into the diner and having whatever conversation she has with these two Okay, so like the other side of it. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. Kind of like the Joanna thing this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That works. What the other thing I want to talk about before we start talking about the forensics of this is shit. I completely forgot. Never mind. <laughs> Shouldn't Dom have waited for backup? Oh, so there, there you go. That's exactly <laughs> what I wanted to, to, to talk to you about. Okay. Um, some people said that the whole point of the Fimto cell was that the Dark Army are listening to the FBI. When she called for backup, they appeared. And people were like, well, that was like less than 20 seconds. But then I think if you put the timeline together, that the Dark Army was at the hospital the second that the bolo went out. The hospital's only a few blocks away from that diner. Yeah, Darlene calls, or I'm sorry, Dom calls, the Dark Army gets a location fix. You can get over. You can cover four blocks on a motorcycle and nothing. Oh, yeah. And you hear them roar. They're like rip roaring up. So I think yeah. the timeline works out. If you okay. granted the Dark Army were on them and at the hospital, they were waiting at the hospital just like the FBI was. Right. And and they got a phone call and they motored a couple blocks from there and then shot the place up. I think the timeline works really well. I think that makes sense too. They'd yeah. be. Watching I didn't even Cisco. question it, but I saw some people yeah. doing it, and and uh, I wanted to talk about that in case anyone else had that same problem. Okay. Um, do you want to get into the forensics now? Uh, sure. Because a lot of people like people went this scene frame down, by frame and magnified it, it. It looks like Cisco's dead for sure. Oh, he's dead because bullets hit him. His head explodes like a can of tomato sauce. Uh-huh. Same thing looks for Darlene, except for people notice that there's uh, there was a ketchup bottle on the windowsill. I don't think it's ketchup. I think it's salsa. Okay, but whatever. It's a it's a uh, red it's bottle of fair. something that's yeah. in the line of fire between di- yeah. and it's that is what's exploding and making the similar head explosions the Cisco, but it looks like Darlene might have survived. Yeah. If I'm betting, I'd say Darlene survived. Cisco is, yeah. He's unless that one South Park episode about Britney Spears, unless he's he's living as a brain stem and a tongue flap around in his neck. Oh my uh, god. He's dead. Right. He's dead. 
Yeah, he's a goner. I think Darlene's alive. Uh, there's another thing that's slightly interesting. I don't know what it means, but it was kind of neat. I guess during these freeze frames, you can see if you go real, real slow, the Cisco's head explodes, right, the salsa the explodes, and then the sign goes out, but it goes out in a particular way where... It says Lupe's. Lupe's turns into lies. Like the apostrophe goes out. Yeah. The P turns into an E. It's... It's real conspicuous if you look at it. The P it gets blown out just to like the the long portion of the P, the uncurved portion stays. So that's right. the I, and then you know, yeah, is the ES is. So I I don't know if that actually means anything or if that's I think significant. So. That's but fucking deliberate. It seems like it. Yeah, which is kind of cool. What are the lies in this episode? That both of that like like both of them are dead. I don't know. At some point, Sam Esmail needs to back up just a little bit, like get off the throttle a little bit, because right. like you've already composed a situation where I can't trust anything that I see from the main character's perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> so Maybe leave it at that. The lies are all you know. I, 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 that 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 broke the cool too cute barrier for me. Okay, I can see that because it's just. There's nothing there. There lies like there's fucking a million lies in every episode. That's right. not really anything new or interesting. That's just you patting yourself on the back, in my opinion. So if Darlene does survive, yeah. assuming she does, um, she's going to be in FBI custody now, right? No two ways about it. She doesn't leave that diner. Well, of her own volition. Yeah, because the cops are just surrounding it. No, they're yeah. already on the scene. It's yeah. too late. Um, you think the Dark Army? I, I would imagine the Dark Army could get to her even in FBI custody. They crashed an FBI party. They seem to be pretty fear. That was on their soil, granted. Especially if we want to say that her boss is dirty, that Dom's boss is dirty. That would be pretty easy. How many? If, so if how many Dark Army operatives maybe? do you think they have in New York City? That's the big question. Is this like a sure. fucking daredevil situation where they might have thousands? <laughs> right. They're all hidden underground. Just, just and, du- yeah. They're just digging them up from this giant mine. Just, just 100 tons of ninjas coming out every day. I don't know. Uh-huh. Or is it like realistic where like how really how many shadowy operatives ready to die can you have in a foreign country? It's a good question. Like a half dozen, a dozen. Like what's a believable amount of those things? I don't know. I would say maybe a few dozen. I mean, New mm. York City's a big place. Yeah, it's like sobering. Like place. how many, how many uh, terrorists do we have in this country right now? The answer is sure. not zero. No, it's not zero. <laughs> I uh, bet we'd all be. It's it's kind of like that picture of the beach when you see all the sharks swimming off. It's like if you could see like all of them around, it would probably freak you out. But right, right. That's the world we live in, people. So, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see where it goes with Darlene, because uh-huh. she's going to have to stand up to some questioning. At the very least, she might still be in danger from the Dark Army. Sure. Who knows? Uh, but that's it for the episode. Hey, real quick before we get to feedback, want to talk about ways you can support Bald Move, and it's important to do so because we wouldn't have a Mr. Robot podcast if we were not doing this full-time. Very true. Uh, we're one of the few, uh, fortunate few that are able to do the podcasting as a as a living, we are non-famous dudes from the Midwest who have lucked into this opportunity, but we do need continued support to keep doing it. You can do that at uh, club.baldmove.com, and that's a way to directly support us for a very low cost. You can get access to a bunch of different bonus features, video feeds of our podcast, uh, which, by the way, you could watch this recorded on Friday morning instead of waiting till whenever to hear it, uh, VIP access to the forums, bunch of different features, but the primary feature is we keep on doing what we're doing. Uh, you can also support us with Amazon, amazon.baldmove.com. Also, 
Uh, I just had this uh, email. Uh, someone asked us, like, I'm from the UK. How can I support you with Amazon? If you go to support.baldmove.com, there's actually a whole bunch of different international markets that we have. I know there's one in France, Italy, the UK, Germany, mm-hmm. maybe one in Japan. Um, Canada. Canada. But, yeah, it's, it's just go to – instead of going to amazon.baldmove.com, go to support.baldmove.com, and there's the link. Okay. Uh, click it. Uh, but, yeah, thanks for thinking of us that way. But the club or Amazon, either way, we really appreciate your support. Couldn't do it without you. Uh, so we, feedback? We, we have feedback, as 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 is normal. Uh, you can send feedback in to robot at baldmove.com, or we have episode thread every week on uh, the Mr. Robot subthreaded, subthreaded, subthread on our forums at forums.baldmove.com. Ah, James V.E. says, I was listening to a podcast called Reply All and then an episode on tulpas as it revealed a deeper layer to Mr. Robot for me. And if you recall, tulpas was also something that was discussed on X-Files on the latest reboot. Yeah, I don't remember what that was. Uh, Well, he's about to describe it. Basically, there's an underground movement on Reddit and just pretty much in the Internet and life in general that purposely creates and nurtures alternate personalities in people's minds and even allows them to, quote unquote, front or take over as the lead personality if they so desire. The alternate personality is called a tulpa, and the people who practice this cultivation are called tulpamancers. In this case, Mr. Robot is a tulpa, and Elliot is the tulpamancer. Many tulpamancers have multiple tulpas of different genders and species. He linked me to the subreddit and some some reading material, and I gotta say... This shit is batshit crazy. This is Sounds like this it. is other kin stuff. So it's people who are purposely trying to develop alternate personalities. What they're doing is acting and role playing, but instead of calling it that, they're saying they're actually creating a real alternate, distinct, sentient persona within themselves, with hope that that will like take hold in their mind and, and they become can. a real thing. In fact, they there's a there's a thread that he linked to me debating about whether like it's immoral to create a tulpa and then never manifest it. Like if you just like ah, I'm bored of tulpas, I'm not going to do it. Well, you just created a sentient person and then d- deleted it. I mean, it's it's like the guys saying like I fucking am a dragon on the spiritual plane because mm-hmm. when I get angry, I like to go row row and when I get horny at night, I fuck myself with a dragon-shaped dildo. Like you're not a dragon man, man. Right. You're a man, man. Now, now play this 30 years from now when there's like other kin of one rights to fucking be tiger people in public and, and you can't fire someone because they come on a dragon horns and wings and I look like the crazy racist homophobic shitbag because I just is a line in my mental stand where like... Sure, when second life becomes first life. <laughs> my my <laughs> mind is open, but it cannot open to accept the fuck that this guy's a goddamn dragon or tiger or wolf or fox or whatever. Someone comes right. up and starts talking this tulpa shit, I think they should be on medication so <laughs> okay but you could but but I, i'm with you this sounds but this is mr robot this truly is truly crazy to me. yeah yeah this yeah. is now the question is did mr robot um you know is this type of stuff interesting going forward predict uh, with predictive value i don't know like i it just depends on how into this type of shit sam Esmail is if he mm-hmm. is then i would suspect that yeah you're eventually going to have some interesting revelations but uh yeah i I I I read about an hour's worth of this stuff, and I just like you know mouth agape, yeah. not open and receptive, just shaking my head like wow, wow. The human experience is, is like vast and deep and broad. My experience watching mukbang videos. <laughs> uh, Blakey says when Tyrell and his gang first walk into All Safe, Elliot says in a voiceover. E Corp is the largest conglomerate in the world. Uh, this is, I think, discussion about because because some of the sometimes I cut and paste the email and I forget that the subject matter is kind of the subject line is the thesis. And I think the thesis was evidence for Elliot being a robot. 
Uh, when Tyrell and his gang first walk into Allsafe, Elliot says in a voiceover, E-Corp, the largest conglomerate in the world. They're so big, they're literally everywhere. A perfect monster of modern society. The E might as well stand for evil. In fact, after thorough, intensive self-programming, waka waka, that's all my mind hears, sees, or reads when they pop up in my world. Uh, Blake continues, if Elliot is indeed a self-reprogramming android, Mr. Robot moves from delusions to management oh, control program used to guide his actions. This program is probably injected into a system by the Dark Army to regain control of Elliot and get him back on track after his morphine use caused memory loss, potentially derailing their next phase. How does a morphine use cause any problems for an android? Well, you don't know what... what, what they could, he could be a cyborg. Okay, well, that's not the theory here. <laughs> well, I think... Look, look. We're going to allow look. them to use Android and Cyborg interchangeably. If we find out that <sighs> the Elliot is a cyborg, mm-hmm. no one can call shit on the Android people. That to me that's <laughs> that's a similar enough and outside of the How much of a cyborg? Like a lobot cyborg. He's got a, a, a central processing unit in his brain that's wired into central nervous system. Okay. Not like he's got hearing aids. And no, I'm not talking like <laughs> 6 million dollar man. Run. I'm talking about his 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 wetwares. Right. I mean, hacked. we have cyborgs out there right now. Well, yeah, sure. In yeah. modern society, they're That's just true. not sophisticated in any kind of way. Right. So, and it's not like neural cyborg. No, I'm not saying he's got an artificial arm. I'm not okay. saying he's got a colloquial implant. I'm not saying. Okay. I'm, I'm saying he's he's got yeah. he's not not a pacemaker, not a, one of those fucking lever legs. I'm talking about he's got. Uh, oh, they scooped out his brains. And they Is the one it dude's with a, fake leg? Or or the one dude's um, artificial leg? Maybe an early hint to Elliot's cyborg nature. <laughs> yep, Vincent's a cyborg. That's the thing they discovered at the hospital. <laughs> this man has Same no human parts. He's all. He's an android, <laughs> as a matter of fact. Internal bleeding. That's his motor oil leaking out. <laughs> Beverly uh, Crusher's back there going, I don't know what to do with this thing. <laughs> he needs to take him down to fucking engineering. <laughs> Get Jordy up here. Yep. Who also another cyborg? Absolutely, he is that fucking banana clip. QED. <laughs> um, all right, let's get back to uh, Blake's point. Uh, F Society didn't need Dark Army to complete the hack. The Dark Army needed Elliot. The subroutine Elliot used. The, okay, all this stuff is postulation on a theory, which I don't care. Uh, Elliot keeps going on and on about being normal, almost like he wants to be a real boy. Uh, that's fine because I I definitely think that it could be true that he's not a cyborg or android and also be like a Pinocchio figure. Oh yeah, that's fine. Personality wise, sure. Uh, another thing like this: ha- has anyone ever seen Elliot eat anything? And that's a good question because I know he's gotten like you know the whole framing event in the first few episodes was he sharing meals with Elliot, right? But was he ever actually eating? I think he was, but I'm not was certain. He? Yeah, I, I, I didn't have. I I got this email uh, while I was sleeping last night. I didn't have time to go back and rewatch all the Leon scenes. But I that this seems like um, this is either something you can prove or disprove. Like if yeah. Elliot's eating, then I don't think he's an android. But you but can always data. always pivot to cyborg. Yeah, yeah. data, data, eat data all can the time. Eat. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't it, eating is not necessarily the conclusive proof that you're not an android. A, a, a nice dodge would be the fact that he is a cyborg. He is like some kind of prototype cyborg that was scooped up by the Dark Army because he was brain dead after his dad pushed him out of a window. 
and he didn't have any parents that were able to look at. I mean, this is I'm actually I was saying this as a joke, but this starting to sound make sense in my head. Uh He's essentially an orphan. Uh, (laughs) He's in, you know, like state custody and Dark Army swoops in there and slice and dices his head. And he's uh, just a patchwork quilt inside there. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, I'm not buying it, but maybe so. All right. All right. Not even buying it for a dollar, huh? Mm hmm. Lisa says, I know you've been talking about why Angela has been so hard to figure out this season. Something I think that is going on with her is that she's covering up her real self and emotions with this fake Ice Queen persona. A big clue to this was in the Full House episode when we see her crying at her mother's funeral in the opening credits. As soon as she realizes the camera is on her, she completely transforms her face into the cold, deadpan expressions we've seen from her this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her reliance on the positive affirmations is also a way of covering up her self-doubt and true feelings with these generic positive sayings. Possibly sleeping with old guys is another coping strategy to deal with her pain. I got a hot take on that. I don't. What is not a coping strategy? What if that's like she's earning her old guy fucking reps? Like if she went right to Philip Price, that guy whips out his fucking Slim Jim mm, and she yeah. just throws up violently, explosively. Ugh. She's like, okay, I started with Duck Phillips. You know, it's it's kind of gross. He's but it's like working. Fit, it's like working your gag reflex. You know, right. you, you start off with your finger, and pretty soon you got a sword you can swallow. Oh my god! Uh, I didn't really mean to relate those concepts, but <laughs> uh-huh. sure, if you want, uh, she's getting old guy fucking reps. She's she's working herself up to Philip Price so she can fuck him and Khaleesi him. Wow. Uh, yeah, dragon. I'm, I'm just gonna go with it. Absolutely, that's what she's doing. Of course. <laughs> uh. Anyway, yeah i I think. I don't like. I, I've kind of changed my mind in Angela. I don't have a problem with what they're doing with her character at this point. Uh, like I completely buy what like what Lisa said here. It seems completely uh, consistent with everything I know from her. Eight episodes in, don't lie her. All right, uh, Chris say just a heads up. My dad had a bout with throat cancer a few years back, and he actually used morphine lollipops. They look exactly huh. like the ones the DDP eats as well. For my dad, they provided morphine while he could not eat due to the radiation going on in his throat. This doesn't mean that it is what she's eating, but in the words of Mythbusters, I would call it a theory plausible. Okay. Does I mean, morphine doesn't really change the form of a lollipop, right? So no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect imagine. him to look any differently. So it's still an substantiated theory, but it's actually a thing. Yeah, we've confirmed I guess so. That we've confirmed the thingness of it, just like we confirmed that Ray's Dallas's machine was right. hackable right before we found out that was all bullshit. So, yeah, it's like I look forward to the first five episodes. She just storms. She the first five minutes, she's going to storm in to Lupe's and say, "Look, this popsicle, not morphine. People think it is because mm-hmm. they want to hate on me as a character, but I just like lollipops. Fuck you." And then gunfire. <laughs> That's what's going to happen next episode. I just didn't want you to get the wrong impression. I didn't want you. Yeah, I don't want you to get the wrong opinion about. Sure, I talked to my computer, <laughs> but I don't. I don't have a fucking morphine she lollipop problem. She says this problem. to two perfect strangers. <laughs> yeah. I know what you were thinking. Uh-huh. I know what you were thinking. Um, Melanusk says, "Just wanted to mention something about the Elliot being Tyrell theory that I don't think I've heard anywhere else yet." I think we can safely say that they weren't the same person at the beginning of the series, but if we follow the theory that Elliot killed him, then we can assume Tyrell became a part of him right after he was killed. If neither Elliot nor Mr. Robot know about the Stage 2 thing, I think Tyrell is the one who knows, and that will be the next reveal, potentially this episode, or in episode 11 or 12. I thought we had talked briefly about this. We did, but I wanted to give credit to this, because I had never heard of this theory, and I do think that's probably the best way to square all... 
the hard edges of the Elliot is Tyrell is Mr. Robot theory that kind of like in, you know, another comparison to breaking bad, Walter subsumed some of the people that he's murders abilities unconsciously, Mm -hmm. not abilities, uh, their predilections. Yeah. Their traits, their affectations, uh, that Mr. Robot or the Elliot might've done that with Tyrell murdering him was such a out of the box warping experience that he then took his perceived persona onto himself. Right, uh, and that does make a lot more sense, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's where they're necessarily going with it, but yep. we'll see. I'm still not exactly ironically, but increasingly seriously repping the idea that somehow Mr. Robot and Elliot and Tyrell are all the same people. But well, that would work at that point, right? I mean, if they sure, became if the just, same if person, if they, if they fused, on, right? You know, the, that although there's a lot of explanation, like. Then how does Elliot know so much about like Joanna? How did he met Joanna before? Like did he did did he kill kill Tyrell, make a Tyrell suit, and show up on Joanna's doorstep the next day? Hmm. Because as soon as he gets out of Tyrell's car, you know he runs into her and they have this weird conversation that we've speculated so much about. Right. Well, maybe he met her in the course of doing whatever he's doing with Tyrell. Like doing the hack, like on the way to Tyrell's like, hey, oh, I want oh, you I gotta to meet stop Joanna. She's and... super hot. No, but she might want to fuck you. I might want to fuck you. I gotta stop. You might want to fuck you get, together. Get some Cheetos. This is gonna be a long night. What's your thoughts on pegging? Uh... <laughs> no, but incidentally, she's into Cheetos fingers, man. That's the one thing that drives yeah. her crazy. She oh, loves it. Loves it. Loves the Cheeto fingers. Uh, okay. David M, my sister and I have been discussing the possibility that Tyrell is a bastard son of Mr. Robot. I like this a lot. Tyrell is a bastard son of Mr. Robot. Okay. The, the father. So a long lost brother to Elliot. Obviously, we call this theory the Tyrell Snow Theory. <laughs> During the TGIF flashback episode, Mr. Robot refers to Tyrell in the trunk as my baggage. Mm-hmm. Then in Hacking Robot tonight, Rami uh, mentioned the two living members of Elliot's family and Christian Slater cut in and said that he knows about, obviously foreshadowing there will be a big reveal of the Elliot family member. Do you know of any other evidence that supports this theory? I think, so, last week I was trying to put the, 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 I was trying to connect this theory that the only people that appeared in the TGIF episode in the car were the his blood relations. The only exception of that is Tyrell, except, if, and I was going from the, well, that's actually an aspect of Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. Um, or Elliot. Uh, Angela appeared in the episode, but only in the credit sequence. No, no, no. No, no she's she was in the also, store. So sure, but, yeah. but it's still true to say, I mean, that's the thing, like, it's like God and the gaps. Like, you know, God made everything. Well, he didn't make rainbows. That's just right. light shining and through water. Well, he Gideon still Gideon was in it, too. It's like... Yeah, like, well, but, but who was in the car? Gideon leaned, you know, he was a cop that pulled him, right? Maybe Gideon's his uncle and Angela's his other sister. Yeah, that's the problem (laughs) with these theories is, like, you try to fit the facts to meet the theory instead of trying to develop theories from the facts. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously I'm repping a crazy one, so I'm I'm guilty of it as well. I just, I yeah, I don't know of any other evidence to support these, but I thought these were really interesting ones, too. Especially now, the Rami thing is, um, that's meta. Because he's on a show talking about it, and I could believe an actor saying that he knows about to, like... Because I do the same thing on a spoil... When I'm trying to not spoil things, sometimes the things you say and don't say can be misintrudous spoilers. So if I say something, I might quickly cover something else or even plan to do that just to 
add a little bit of confusion to the issue to keep the spo- you know spoilers safe for people. Yeah. It could just be him reflexively doing that on this show. You know, like shit. Sam Esmail might have. I ha- hell, I don't know. I haven't read the scripts for season three, mm-hmm. so it's evidence, but I don't know if it's strong evidence. Anything else, or should we move on? Nope. Adam from Wales. On my main topic from this email, I'm beginning to get concerned that Mr. Robot could grow to become quite an unsatisfactory and annoying show. This is the Aaron concern. Mm-hmm. The concept of the unreliable narrator is always a tricky line to walk, as it can leave the audience feeling as though they have been lied to the whole time, see the usual suspects, and thus we can feel duped when a twist is revealed. In the case of Mr. Robot, not only do we have an unreliable narrator, not only do we have a mentally unstable, unreliable narrator who is prone to hallucinating, but we have an unreliable narrator who himself sometimes doesn't know that he is being unreliable. My main concern is that this could lead to some completely inexplicable batshit ending that we are effectively forced to swallow with the justification of, well, Elliot's crazy, or it was all in his head. Do you guys think that such a narrative device means that we could see some sloppy writing and storytelling as Esmail and company have Elliot's mental instability as a get-out-of-jail-free card? What yeah. is your concern level on this, Jim? I'm definitely worried about that because it feels like they really enjoy these tricks that they're playing. And and I don't think it's fair to say it's sloppy writing because I think the verdict oh, is no. in the S-mail can write. It's just this, just like time travel, this shit's hard to do right. right. And one minor misstep is not sloppy writing. It's just a mechanical construction that, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like if uh, the SpaceX rocket exploded last week. I guarantee it wasn't a result of sloppy work. Right. It's just people trying to do really hard things with zero room for a uh, margin of error. Yeah. So Esmail's rocket could explode not because he's a sloppy writer, just because it's really fucking hard, as you outlined, to do these unreliable narrator stories. The promise of them and the potential is intoxicating. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like smoking heroin, you know? It's fun until it's not. <laughs> yeah, and I... I... So there are a couple of ways that I feel like this thing can end, which is, A, it could end with some conclusion, some real conclusion to what I view as the main plot thread, which is the the downfall of E-Corp and kind of the rebooting of society, right? It could end on that note. Uh-huh. Or it could end on the note of, let's do something real tricky with Elliot and with his mind, yeah. and let's let's like one last time for this show let's blow the audience's mind wide open he's a lobot right he's he's lando calrissian comes out of the shadows <laughs> and he takes off his mask uh-huh. uh i i feel like they might want to recast lean Kristen the slater one. as billy d williams <laughs> <laughs> he's been billy d all along yes he, he has yeah uh no i i feel like they might lean toward the second one because they do apparently like to play those tricks uh-huh they're really leaning heavily into that. Yeah. So I'm a little concerned, yeah. And again, it's not from it. I don't have faith in S-Mail. It's just like, it's really it's hard. hard. It's mm-hmm. really hard. Werner Braun, Von Braun or whatever his name, the rocket guy for the moon, he's a really good guy, but we blew up a lot of rockets to get to the moon. You know what I mean? Werner Von Braun. Yeah, wasn't that the guy who the we captured from the Nazis and he was the father of the American oh, I, Space Program? I don't know. Uh, is Werner Von something or other? Very, huh. um, anyway, sorry. You know who Lobot is, but you don't yep. know. <laughs> uh, Brian H. The Tyrell Elliott relationship seems to be one of the biggest puzzle pieces from these first two seasons. There's some speculation that they are one person, but I feel like past evidence in this latest episode proved that they are two different people. 
Wow. Mm. Completely different interpretation than I had. I'm yep. fascinated. Lay it out. Tyrell is different from Mr. Robot because no one has ever said Mr. Robot's name. Except for last episode when Elliot himself said it and people were like, the fuck? Uh-huh. Uh, also, people knew who Elliot uh, knew, who knew Elliot also knew Mr. Robot. Tyrell is mentioned by name by several people who do not know or recognize Elliot. I wonder if Tyrell getting mixed up with Elliot was purely accidental and Mr. Robot tried to run interference. Follow me down the rabbit hole for a moment. Tyrell catches wind that something is going on when he sees Elliot swapping folders in a meeting where Angela was kicked off the E-Corp account. He later offers Elliot a job in a room full of men in black suits. Elliot asks us if we're seeing the same men. I think Mr. Robot might be distracting Elliot, like with the ALF people, while trying to deal with Tyrell himself. We later see Mr. Robot trying to keep Tyrell away from F Society, a continuation of the earlier meeting we missed. It all comes to a head when Tyrell gets Elliot to talk. Elliot thinks they are going to stop it all, but Mr. Robot has to take over, launch the attack, and take care of Tyrell. So, this room, Elliot in a room full of men in black suits, that's easy to recontextualize as a hallucination fantasy, right? The thing that I'm desperate to do is to go back and watch season mm-hmm. one and find the places where Tyrell first meets Elliot. Because I always thought it was weird that these executives, one of them would peel off and be like, oh, you're a hacker. I like hacker. And I got this conversation. And then did Tyrell ever... You don't ever... think that's the first time they met? Well, no, it could be. Oh, but okay. it also could be Elliot, you know, giving birth to the Tyrell persona. Which is a real... But that's a real thing. It's, it would have to go back further. Maybe it's the first time the... The the Mr. Ty- it'd be like you know when Mr. Robot met Elliot on the subway. Is that their first meeting? Clearly not. But on this iteration of Elliot's psychosis, it's the first time they've met. Right. So I I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I mean I think there are concrete things here that say Tyrell had to be real at some point. Um, I think he has to be real up to the point where uh, he gets fired. Yeah. From his job. Like, uh, right up to the end of season one, I think he's got to be real. I don't think there's any other way to explain everything but, that's but happening. But we were, we were conclusively saying, like, well, Elliot can't be in prison because a real prison wouldn't let you do X, Y, and Z. And we found out that we just were, on a visual level, lied to. I don't know that you can... I'd have to go back and watch all the whole seasons. I'm not going to have time to do while I'm covering this season. But I just would love to see it with the idea of trying to disprove... Um, that Tyrell and Elliot are not the same people, and see if you can do it. Like I, I think, I think it's the you know, if they're intending this theory, it's definitely something that's buried way in the subtext, but also has to be plausible. There can't be a definitive, you know, like like if someone had a conversation with both Miss uh, Elliot and Mister Robot, they were very careful to stage it to where they're right. both in each other's sight lines and everything kind of matched out. You would think if you went through and watched the season two one with that theory in mind that I don't know, maybe something I want to do though. Uh, unless it's just blown the lids blown off in the next two episodes. Yeah, it might be. Uh, final email. Liz G says the suspense and dread I felt as the scene switched between characters and dialogue continued was fantastic. I was on edge of my seat. I knew something big was about to happen, and as soon as I saw the motorcycle. Figured shots would be fired. Mm-hmm. Um, she wonders, is Vince the guy with the one leg? Is he the one, the guy who Darlene made hand over his phone so she could stomp it? We had previously joked that the so. one-legged guy was Mobley. No, that's but not true. it's now Vincent. Well, he, we were joking about Mobley, or at least I was. Yeah, but we knew it wasn't him. No, I didn't. Oh, I thought it was okay. actually... I thought it... I went back and I looked at his legs, and they were definitely there. Well, yeah, I, I, in the intervening episodes, we've seen that he has two real legs, but yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah, Vincent's the one. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's interesting. Like that kind of implies maybe he was like a military vet. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I mean, know. people lose or their legs all the time. Or he got hit on a yeah. bike. Or he, he got a, a, bike a shark bit him off and bit right. his leg off. Yeah. Or I don't know construction why. accident. I mean, yeah. yeah. You do. I guess first instinct is a jump to combat, especially since sure. he seemed to plug into the hierarchy, like the mm-hmm. hierarchical nature, and um, like right away. Yeah, but no, definitely that's that's the guy, and he's also the guy that got his phone stomped. So yep, uh, that guy. Uh, that's all the email we got. Okay, cool. Robot at baldmove dot com if you want to send us more, or forums at baldmove dot com if you want to get on the forum stuff. Yeah, uh, we're. I'm gonna keep an eye on the Reddit stuff. Hopefully, there will be some either audio clues deciphered, or they'll find what they'll find out what they're really talking about in that scene where Elliot's encouraging us to look. Yeah, uh, we'll definitely have updates on that next week, and who knows? I mean, next week it might. Like you said, be blown wide open with Tyrell and with this Mr. Robot stuff. There there might not be any need. I, I just checked the subreddit to see if there's something that happened in the last two hours. The mm-hmm. one thing that was interesting that I didn't get that's new on the page is, uh, you know that video game that Joanna's bodyguard, the the, the rubber yep. face man, the government issue that face man? Yeah. Uh, that was Watch Dogs. Okay. Which is very sure. meta if you don't know that's a game all about like a elliot type hacker mm-hmm. and he hacks cell phones and security systems and it's a first person shooter kind of with that style yeah so i thought that was you know I, that's just again a pure easter egg it's just a wink right a wink and a nudge okay cool well we'll be back next week with uh i guess they're not doing a double episode next week it they're was widely reported in a lot of it was like on cable boxes and whatnot but according to mr Ro- the hacking robot they are going to have the part one and part two of the next episodes as two separate episodes that the air um, in alter in, in, in two different weeks. So I was trying to say away right. like back, but back to backs aren't right. <laughs> right. Just in normal. So order. We got two episode, more weeks, yeah. two more weeks of Mr. Robot, not just one with a double episode. And I'm right. kind of great. Glad for it. Uh, even though that's going to start overlapping my American horror co- coverage. And I know you've got some mm-hmm. ongoing overlaps. I would much yeah. rather do that than try to cram two hours of stuff into a single podcast. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, well, we'll be back with the second to last episode for season two next week. And until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye.